Tonight's Shay has been very kindly sponsored Lino Nishmas Rib Shalom Chaim Ben Rib Nochem the Shomer Shehaven Aliyah. A number of years ago, there was a family, Lalenu, that lost a five year old daughter. Approximately five years after that time, Erechasana and the Mishpacha, one of the children, the sons, was getting married. And the simcha was a kavaldiga simcha, but it was missing something. And you could feel it tangibly, you could feel that something in the simcha was missing. That this five-year-old daughter that had died five years ago, that would today be ten years old, dancing at the chasana, was missing, she wasn't there. And everyone was imagining what would she have looked like, what would she have worn. It made the simcha very much incomplete. Rabbi Yisrael, if we look around at what Kalal Yisrael has, we have everything. We can learn Torah, we can daven, we've got chesed organizations, gemachim all over the world, people doing chesed, people sending their children to yeshivas, people going to koilo, girls going to Beis Yaakov. It's unbelievable. There's so much going on in Klal Yisrael, but we're missing something. And if we don't feel that we're missing something, then we kind of miss the boat. You know, when you go to a chasana, it's almost difficult to know who are the good friends of the chasan. You walk into the hall of the chasana, you walk in, you want to see who are the good friends of the chasan. Who's the good friends? Who are his roommates? Who are his chavusas? Who are his good friends? It's very hard by a chasana. Okay, sometimes the inner circle of the people that are closest, but it's sometimes difficult. Everyone's dancing all over the place. There's a simcha. It's hard to know. When it comes to a levaya, Rahman and Islam, it's very simple to know who are the family members. Within a few seconds, you can figure out who's a close member of family, who's a good friend, a relative, and who's just coming in just to be nice, to pay their respects. So, when it comes to the Yomim Toivim around the year, it's very easy to be the Simcha. It's very easy to be a Chalik of the Simcha, of a Yom Tov, of something that we enjoy, something that's the Simcha, something that's enjoyable, that we get a know from it. When it comes to a time like Tishabav, and it comes to a time where we have to be misabal on Yerushalayim, now we see the connection. Now we see if a person was really be'emes connected to the Rabbi Nishloilam, he had that relationship, or maybe he's missing something, and today's the day that he can repair it. Today's the day he can make up that relationship. There's an unbelievable and very famous Yerushalmi, Yerushalmi Yuma, in the beginning, beginning of Parak Aleph, says Yerushalmi, that means that if the Beis Amigdash was not built in your days, if you were not alive when the Beis Amigdash was built, it was destroyed in your times. Explains the Sfas Emes, an unbelievable Yusait. The Sfas Emes in Dvarim, Tofresh Lamadalet, explains like this. And he says, I don't understand, if you go through the generations, the Torah and the Tefillah, that our Tanoyim, our Maroyim, our Tzadikim, all offered, and they didn't have the Beis HaMikdash built in their days. What does it mean? I understand us, says the Shvah Semes, but how can you say this? On the Gedolim and Tzadikim of previous generations, that was so almost Malach-like. What, what does this mean? 
explains the Svasem as an unbelievable thing. Says the Svasem, it means like this. The Svasem is telling us that every single person can contribute towards the building of the Beisa Migdash. And if while you were alive, you personally did absolutely nothing to positively contribute towards the building of the Beisa Migdash, then it's Kiru, it was destroyed in your days. There's an obligation, there's a khiv in every single one of us to be mis'abal on Yerushalayim ba'etan every single day of the year. During the year it's difficult for us, but perhaps one day a year we can set aside. And that's our obligation. And it's such an obligation as the Sfasemis, if we don't do it, at least today, then it's Ki'idu the Beis Amigdash was destroyed in our times. Ki'idu Kabiyahu, we were able to see the destruction of the Beis Amigdash. There's an amazing Chassam Soifa. This week's parasha, parasha's Dvarim. The Chassam Soifa quotes, Pasuk in Tehillim, Kuf Mem Zayin, Boinei Rishalayim Hashem, Nidchei Yisrael Lachanes. Asks the Chassam Soifa an amazing thing. He says, why does it use the Losha? Why does Dabar HaMelech use in Tehillim? Boinei Rishalayim, in the future. What does that mean? The builder of Yerushalayim in the future. Says the, says the, says the Chassam Soifa like this. The Chassam Soifa says, and he quotes a Pesach in Yeshaya, that every single krechts, every sigh, every little mourning that you do, every tefillah, every tehillim, every, whatever you do today on the day of Tisha B'Av, is a day that positively builds. You have a chilek of being boine Yerushalayim, says the Chassam Soifa. When you come along today, and you're interested, and you want, and you try, and you try to get into it, and it's difficult, but you try the best. That, says the Chassam Soifa, is the only way. We find the time of the three weeks to almost be a very hard time to connect. It's a very hard time to, to endless connect to the Khurban base Amigdash. We don't feel anything. We never saw pictures of it. We never knew anyone that knew anyone that knew anyone that saw it. It's very hard to get connected. The halachas, we can almost find the heter for everything. That means until tonight, you could have basically got away with doing nothing. You could have listened to a CM every single day of the nine days and eaten meat. You could have said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a finicky person, a male, I have to have a shower every single day and it has to be hot. You're exercising, so I need to listen to music. I can pretty much find the heta for everything. So you come to Tishabab, you almost did nothing to be Miss Abel on Yerushalayim. Okay, could be. Comes today. Comes the day of Tishabab. The day that we are meant to, and there's a chiv, an obligation on every single yid in Klalisol, to be misabal on Yerushalayim. There's no heterim. There's nothing you can get out of. This is a mufurish halacha. It's a chiv in chazal that we have to do so much so, that if we don't do it, chazal tell us terrible things. But if we do it, we're zoycha, say chazal, the Gemara, we're zoycha to be able to be roya v'simcha, so we're going to see the simcha participate in the gabaldiga simcha. It's an amazing thing. We find over here that Tishabah, we're not dealing with just an obligation that we have to be misabled today, but rather the gu'ula depends on it. What we're going to do today could have a direct effect to how quickly the gu'ula is going to come. And there's no etza, no siyam, no hata, no kula is going to get you out of being misabled on Yerushalayim. It's something that the Surah Makdashim bring in the inside of every yid's neshama. It's there. We have to bring it out. We have to try and seek it out to be able to feel it. That, that, that spark that's desperate for the Gehullah, that spark that's waiting to see the Giloya Shechina, the Beis Hamikdash, and everything that comes together with that.
How do we do it? That's the question. How do we do it? The Torah doesn't say, you know what, just try your best. And if you don't manage, you know, that's okay. We'll, we'll excuse you. We understand where you're coming from. We know the generation. We understand. We get it. No. Chazal tell us every generation has the same obligation as the generation before it. And there's no excuses. That we have to be misabal on Yerushalayim. What does the Rabbi want from us? We can almost say we're a timic, timic shenishba. What do we want from us? We're almost like a timic shenishba. We were, we were kidnapped at a young age. We have no idea what the Beis Hamikdash would have looked like, what it was like to live with the Beis Hamikdash. Imagine the Kahanim and the Avodim and the Karbonis. We don't know. So what do you want from us? What does the Rabbanishim want at this moment on Tishabab for us to be feeling? What does he want us to be expressing? What are we meant to be accomplishing? If Chazal are telling us, that every single one of us have to do this, then obviously it's an obligation. And not only is it an obligation, obviously we can do it. Obviously it's possible for every single one of us to reach into the inner depths of ourselves and understand on our specific level what we're meant to be doing today and how we can possibly feel the actual Horban. There was a chassid that came to his rabbi. And he comes into his rabbi, knocks on the door, in order to, he wants to stay there for Shabbos, to be together with his rabbi. The rabbi opens the door, sensing that this fellow is waiting for an invitation. She says, listen, you're welcome to stay here. I have no problem. But I must tell you, we have nothing to give you. We have absolutely nothing. We have a few little scraps of chicken, a few little pieces and crumbs of challah. We have nothing to give you. You're welcome to stay here, but I can't offer you anything. So the man says, well, here's your lucky day. He was a very wealthy fellow. He pulled out from his pocket a gold coin. said, it's early, it's still Erev Shabbos. You've got plenty of time to run to the marketplace. Take this gold coin and buy whatever you need. And she was overjoyed to have a Shabbos Kodesh. That's incredible. And he spends a Shabbos with the Rebbe. What a Shabbos it was. But he noticed that the Aeneas, the poverty that this man, this Rebbe was going through, he pushed it, couldn't take it. His bed wasn't called a bed. The food that he had on a normal Shabbos was terrible. His house was falling in. He couldn't bear it. But this was a yid that gave brachos that were makayim to everyone that came to him. Motzah Shabbos, he turns to the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, I don't understand. You give brachos, and your brachos come true. Why can't you daven to the Rebbe Nishlam that you should have more money? Why can't you daven to the Rebbe Nishlam that he should give you a little bit more gashmir so you'll be able to live? And the Rebbe turns to him. And says, I want to tell you, tell you a story that happened in a town not too far away from here. One of the leaders of the community in this town, his name is Reb Herschel. Reb Herschel was a very wealthy, very influential person, and he was making his chasna for his one and only daughter. And this was going to be a chasna that was going to be like none other. Everyone in town was excited. The preparations were starting weeks and weeks ahead for this chasna, the hall, the lights that went up. Everything started to have preparations going closer and closer. And that even the poor people in town were very excited. Even the Aniyim were excited. Number one, they were going to get a Gavaldiga Suda. They were going to have a meal, which was going to be amazing. And Reb Herschel also promised them. Reb Herschel told them, every Oni that comes over here is going to get 100 rubles. He's going to get 100 rubles, which was a fortune of money. The Aniyim was so excited to get to this chasna. Kavaldik here, they were going to go to the chasna, and only when they're going to get a good meal the first time, and who knows when. But also, they were going to be able to walk out with a tremendous amount of money. Comes the morning of the chasna. 
Everyone was waiting for this day. The anticipation, the excitement of the day was built up. Everyone was waiting for the moment of the Hasana, the morning of the Hasana came. And the town woke up to the unthinkable. The color had died overnight. The color had died overnight. Can you imagine? They were just trying to understand what happened. The doctors came in. She was unconscious. Before they knew it, it was all over. It was all over. They, they didn't know what to say. This was the Hasana that everyone was waiting for. And what was meant to be the greatest simcha turned into the greatest tragedy. Everyone was heartbroken. And all the organizers of the Hasana started to dismantle the Hasana. Obviously, there's not going to be a simcha. And instead of walking his daughter to the chuppah, he walked his daughter to her final resting place, to the kvura. And you can imagine, when he came back from the kvura, the oilam were trying to be Menachem Oval. It was such a difficult time, it was so hard for him to be able to do that, to be able to focus his whole life that just changed overnight. What was meant to be the greatest simcha in his life turned into the greatest tra- tragedy. It was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the shiva, at the oilam of crying, the oilam of feeling, suddenly this worldly fellow gets a tug from one of his, one of the sides of his jacket. There's a poor man there. He says, excuse me, where's the money? I came to the hasana. I'm waiting for the money. The people over there couldn't believe the audacity. Everyone was shocked. The place went into silence. How could you ask for such a thing at a time like this? How can you ask for such a thing like this? How can you ask for such a thing like this at a time of such sorrow? Said this Rebbe to this Chosset, when the Rabbani Shalolam has so much tsar that there's no base amikdash. When the Rabbani Shalolam is kaviyachal crying that there's no base amikdash, I'm going to ask for mugashmias. I'm going to ask for something that I personally need. No. And that's what the Rebbe taught that chosset. It's not about ourselves. It's about the tsar of the shechina, the tsar of the Rabbani Shalolam. There's an unbelievable, incredible medrash. Listen to this medrash. It's a medrash in the beginning of Parshas Bereshis, where the medrash goes on the pasuk Veruach Aleikim Archeves Al Penei Hamayim. That's whatever it means. Translate the spirit of the Rabbani Shalom was on the waters. Fake the medrash. What does that mean? What waters? There were no waters at that time. Says the medrash. You know what it means? It means the waters of tears over Churban Beisam Migdash. We know that there is no singular word for the word Mayim in Hebrew. There is no singular for water. Everything is Mayim because there's always in plural. Because whenever we cry, the Rabbani Shalom also cries. And therefore says the medrash, the Rabbani Shalom already at the beginning of Maiseberashis was Kaviyochul crying over the Churban Beisam Migdash. And that's something that we have to think about at this moment. When a father watches his son cry, a father sees his own child cry, what does he do? The father tries to console his son. Says the Radomska Rebbe, Gavaldiki Yusoit, what happens if both of them are crying? What happens if both the father and the son are crying? So then if the son is a good son, said the Radomska Rebbe, the son will put away his feelings, his problems, his issues. And he'll try to comfort the father. Says the Rudomska Rebbe, it comes Tishabav. We all have Tsaurus. We look at the world and we see what's going on in the world. We look back at the year 
If only we could look back at the year and see the year from last Tisha B'Av to this Tisha B'Av. I don't believe, we honestly believed that last Tisha B'Av we would be sitting here a year forward at another Tisha B'Av crying over the Chorban Beis Amigdash with the Tzoros that we've seen. How many people have lost children? How many people have Rachmanazon committed suicide? How many people have lost their jobs, got divorced, still looking for a wife, looking for a baby? They are Tzoros, they are Tzoros, they are Tzoros in the world and everything comes from one Yisrael and that is the Chorban Beis Amigdash. So the Radomsky Rebbe, when we look at the crying that Be'et said, we really want to cry for. We have to stop for a moment and cry for the Rabbi Shalaylam. We have to cry for the Tsar of the Shechina, that the Rabbi Shalaylam is crying that he doesn't have a Beis Amigdash, that he doesn't have a Mokhaim to reside in, a Mokhaim of Shechina. Reb Shad Sayyidulevich, the Tzal, to the Mordeki Yisoyed. And I think... From this year's story, we can maybe bring out something a bit more lemaisa. How can we feel the Horban today? In the next 24 hours, what are we going to do to be able to feel the Horban? Out of all the Tanoim, we're familiar with many of the names, but the name Rabbi Akiva stands out amongst many. Rabbi Akiva, if we go through, and I'll give you a few examples, through Mamori Chazal, Rabbi Kiva was what we look at as someone that's a man of steel that was able to cope with everything. He was able to take all of life's challenges. Let me give you a few examples. At the end of Masech Tasmakas, the Gemara famously tells us about Rabbi Kiva who was walking with his friends and they heard the sound of the Roman Empire. The empire that eventually destroyed the Beis Amigdash. And he heard them singing and he heard them laughing. They heard them being joyful. And they started to cry. The Olam started to cry. This is the Roman Empire that's going to destroy the Beis Amigdash. The Olam started to cry. Zuk Hazar Rabbi Kiva started to laugh. Why was he laughing? Not going through now the whole Gemara. But he was laughing for one reason. He was laughing because if this is what happens, if this is the Simcha of how someone celebrates when he's a, a Russia, then can you imagine, can you imagine when Claudius will do the Ratzon Hashem, can you imagine how much more besimcha we should be, Rabbi Kiva, at a time like that when he saw, when they heard the Roman Empire that was going to come and destroy the Vesa Migdash, Rabbi Kiva found a light. He found something positive. Next, the Gemara tells us, again, Gemara Makas, that they passed by the Kurdish Ekadoshim, and there was a fox coming out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And all the Tanoim, everybody started to cry. And once again, Rabbi Akiva starts to smile. He starts to laugh. And they said, Rabbi Akiva, why are you laughing? And he said, because you know why? It's a simon. It's a simon that Geula is coming. If the fox is coming out, it means that there's Geula. found a way to make something positive. And one more example. Something that we're going to talk about and speak and here, about tomorrow, the Kinnis, where we talk about the Asaruge Malthus, and we hear about how Rabbi Kiva tells us the Medrash so clearly, the, the exact gruesome details. Then Rabbi Kiva was about to die. His skin was combed with a metal iron, with a metal comb. You can imagine we feel a bit of pain when we touch the top of a needle. Rabbi Kiva's skin was being peeled off with a metal comb. A terrible, unimaginable tzara. And yet, what happened? Rabbi Kiva is saying, Krishna, and he's smiling. He's happy. 
He's positive. The Rishoyim said, Rabbi Kiva, what's the matter with you? This is not a time to smile. This is not a time to be happy, to be besimcha. You're about to leave the world in a horrible, painful way. And Rabbi Kiva said, what do you mean? I've waited my entire life for this moment. When I say in Kriyashima, this is what I meant. And I'm happy on besimcha that I'm able to give up my life for the Rabbi Nishlam and Hashem. Rabbi Akiva, three places and there's many, many more examples. That a man of steel was able to cope with every tragedy, with every sorrow, with every situation, by always looking at the positive. Except for one time. And that is the Gemara Nozich of Gimel. Where the Gemara tells us about our same Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was reading the Pasuk about a woman that made a neder. She made a neder. And her husband had muttered the neder. That means that her husband had annulled that neder that his wife made. But she didn't know about it. She had no idea that that neder was something that was actually yeschal or not kal. She assumed it was. She had no idea that her husband had annulled the vow. And the Gemara tells us over there, Rabbi Kiva was reading about the Posik. And the Rabbi Yishlam Hashem Yislach asked to give her a kapara. Rabbi Kiva started to cry. All of a sudden, this Rabbi Kiva... The same Rabbi Kiva that was able to look at the Khurban Beis HaMikdash, that was able to die in the most terrible, tragic way, all of a sudden was smiling. All of a sudden was breaking down. Why? Because of a woman that didn't even do an Avera. Just thought she did an Avera. And therefore she needed a Kapora. Rabbi Kiva over here is teaching us the most unbelievable idea. And that idea that Rabbi Kiva is able to go through the Khurban Beis HaMikdash and smile, and be positive. But the moment it came to an Aveira, the moment it came to an Aveira that causes a richuk, a distance, a separation, a severance between us and the Rabbi Nishalaylam, this Rabbi Kiva couldn't cope with. This Rabbi Kiva couldn't take anymore. And here, here he started to cry. Because over here he understood, Rabbi Kiva understood that an Aveira distances a person more than the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. Maybe we could use this to answer ourselves today, tonight, and tomorrow, the next 24 hours. What are we meant to be mourning? What are we meant to be thinking about? The answer is maybe not the physical structure. Maybe not the stones and the bricks and the wood and the beautiful marble and everything that the Beis HaMikdash represented. But maybe it's more than that. And that is our relationship, our richuk, our distance. Rabbi Tzadik HaKoyim says, that's why it's so interesting, a sword, it's called a cherev, it's called a sword. Why? Because when you slice something, it makes a separation. Churban says, Rabbi Tzadik HaKoyim is Beloshan cherev. Chorban comes from Cherev, it's a sword, it makes a separation. And therefore when we do an Aveira, we're so distant from the Rabbi Nishlam, we don't have an opportunity to be able to serve the Rabbi Nishlam in the same way that they could have done when they had a Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenevsky Zatzal says, picture the scene, there's a Beis HaMikdash, you're in Chutzlaretz, Shabbos Kodesh, there's a salad in front of you, and this salad has cucumbers and tomatoes. You don't like cucumbers, so you take the cucumbers out. Boira on Shabbos. Imagine there's a Beis HaMikdash. Oh no, I just did Boira. Amazing, to show you Christ, whatever, you did Boira. What do I do now? You book a flight to Eretz Yisrael. You land in Eretz Yisrael, you start looking to find an animal. You bring it up to Yerushalayim. We do the whole business. What did I do already? I took a little cucumber out of the salad. That's not Beira. There's a richot, there's a distance. You need to make it up. You need to kapar. We don't have a Beis HaMikdash. 
So what happens now? The same Avera. It's probably okay. Yeah, I think I heard once a head, I think someone, one of the Rabbonim, I think, allow it maybe. It's probably okay. Ah, it's not so bad. The Rabbonim, whatever, I'm allowed to eat it. We lost that. We lost that connection. We lost that connection to the Rabbonim Nishlan that we had when we had a Beisamikdash. Maybe that's our job today. Maybe our job today is not to mourn the physical structure that's too hard for us. We're Tinnik Shanish, but we can't do that. We don't understand it. It doesn't mean anything to us. But what does mean something to us is the relationship. What means something to us is that relationship to the Rabbi Shalom, is that connection to the Rabbi Shalom that we just don't have. The Malbim says that we could do whatever you want, but we're missing the heart. So the Malbim says it before, we're missing the lave of Klav Yisrael. And he says, that's what we're missing something. We don't have a Bisamikdash. The Bisamikdash was the heart. It was the lave of Klal Yisrael. We can have all of the Torah, all of the Gavaldiga mitzvahs, all the Tzvila in the world. But we're missing the lave of Klal Yisrael. And maybe today in a day like Tishabah, where we don't have the regular Torah, we're not able to learn in the regular way, we're able maybe to concentrate on this Nakuda. We're able to concentrate to do some spiritual CPR on ourselves and go deep within ourselves and think about the relationship that we have with the Rabbi Yishlodim. What are we missing? We just read Eicha. We know Eicha the Balatanya. Everyone says this. Eicha comes from the word Ayeka. Where are you? The Marishim was asked this question by the Rabbi Yishlodim and many others as well. Ayeka, where are you in the world? How have you fallen so badly? Where are you when you're meant to be davening? Where are you when you're meant to be learning? Where are you not physically, but emotionally? Lemaisa, where's the connection? Where's that connection with us and the Rabbi Yishlodim? Even when we do a mitzvah, that's what we're missing. And that is what we are trying to bring out and think about and mourn today in the next 24 hours. Who we are, who we're meant to be, who the Rabbani Shalom created, and how far we've fallen. The son of the Spasemes with Mendela was in Auschwitz. And he, were, he had a bunch of Hasidim around him, and he told them the sugya of Kiddush Shem Shemaim. What it means to die al Kiddush Hashem. They went through the sugya Bi'in, and they were, they were holding in the sugya. And just as they'd finished the sugya, the Nazis in Shimon rounded them up and took them in the direction of the gas chambers. Now, most Yidin went to the gas chambers. They didn't do it willingly. They didn't do it the Simcha. They did it because they had no choice. These Yidin had just been with their Rebbe, the Mendelah, the son of the Sfasemes. They had been through the sugya of Kiddush Shem Shemayim. They were excited to Mekayim the Mitzvah, Behida Gemura. And they started jumping up and down on the way to the gas chambers. Can you imagine the scene? The Nazis in Machshon were so upset. Here they were trying to crush Claudius all down. And you've got these group of Jews that are happily walking in. Just as they got to the gates. Or they got to the entrance of the gas chambers. They, they broke out in a dance. They just started dancing. No one could stop them. The, the Nazis had never seen anything like this. A group of Jews dancing. Like it was Silchas Torah. The Mamash told it was Silchas Torah. Right at the entrance of the gas chambers. And they couldn't do it, they couldn't stop them. They weren't interested in it anyway. You can do whatever you want for me, what's the difference? I'm dead anyway. They just, their Nazis couldn't stop them. So they came up with a plan. How were we gonna stop these Jews? They went to the makeshift hospital in the concentration camp, and they took a young baby, a young Yiddish baby that had just been born. And they took this Yiddish baby, and they threw the Yiddish baby in the middle of the circle. Everyone stopped. We're not trampling a Yiddish baby. They stopped dancing. Everything froze. 
Remendela came and he took this young little baby and he held up the baby and he said, Rabbi Yisrael, I want to ask the how do you know if the son, how does the son know if the son is doing a good job? In the sun, if doing a good job. How does he know if he's doing a good job? The answer is very simple. When everybody walks outside and everyone's squinting, no one can see, he's bright. Okay, then the sun knows he's done a good job. So with Mendela, how does he know that he's doing a good job? We have Tzalem Kim. Every single Yid has powerful Tzalem Kim. When the when the Goyim cannot stand to look at a Yid in, in the face, that means we're doing a good job. It means we still have our Tzalem Kim. And that's what we were created with. And that's what we have to utilize. And we have to dig deep tonight and tomorrow to see where it's gone. How far we've sunk. Ayako, where are we? What are we doing? One of the Jewish police officers, a Jew in the concentration camp, said over an unbelievable account of one of his experiences allowing Jews to come in to the gas chambers. You can imagine what sour that was, but he said eventually we just became numb. We didn't even think about it anymore. It wasn't something that we felt. We had no emotions. There were no more tears. It was gone. We just filed everybody in. We did our job. It's what we had to do. We had no choice. And he said there was one particular story out of all the time that he was there, the months and months, that he led Jews into the gas chambers. There was one experience that he said he just never forgot. And that was a young girl. A young girl was told that she's going to the shower room. So she took with her some belongings and she took with her her little doll little rag dental doll that she was very connected to. And she took it with and she was all excited. She's going to have a shower and then she's going to come back. She folded her clothes, put it in the entrance, and she put the doll on top of it, ready to come back afterwards. Obviously she never did. But there was a young boy in the line behind. And when he saw that doll, he got so excited. Wow! This is unbelievable. A doll. When was the last time I saw a toy? When was the last time I saw something childlike? A little young boy. And he picked it up and he gave it a hug. And this, this guard started to cry. Little does this boy know who it belonged to and where he's about to go. And the guard said at that moment that was the greatest day of his life. But the most painful day of his life. It was the most painful day of his life. Having to realize properly what people are going through. But it was also the happiest day of his life. Because he realized he had some emotions. He realized there was something still left within him that he was able to feel. Maybe that's us. Maybe that's us. On a day like today, Tishabav, we don't really feel the Chorban Mesa Mikdash. We don't really connect to what we're missing. But there must be something that we can dig deep within us. When we say the Kinnis, when we sit at home, when we close our eyes and think, what would our relation be like if we had a Mesa Mikdash? What would happen what would our relationship be? What would our connection be? It would change everything. One of the biggest insults you can give someone is I have no time for you. The greatest insult you could do. Imagine a young couple where the husband runs in from work. He runs in and he runs up the stairs and she says, no, but I've made you supper. He says, don't worry, I bought you a present. He takes a box out of his pocket, a diamond bracelet. He throws, jumps it on the table and runs upstairs. I have a meeting, I have to run out. Wow, diamond bracelet. But you have no time. The greatest insult you can give someone is I have no time for you. How much time do we have for the Rabbi Nishnola? How much time do we have for the relationship between us and the Rabbi Nishnola? That's the question. That's Tishabav. That's today. That relationship that we have to build. It's been severed. It's been distance. 
There's so much going on. We lead busy lives. Who has time to think? But today, when we can't wear our shoes, which is what specifically connects us to Olam Hazeh, connects us to the Gashmias, we don't have that connection today. We're not eating, we're not drinking, no shoes. All the Hanaz that take us out of thinking, out of concentration, we're able now to focus on what we're meant to be focusing on. The Balshem, the Mechostat, lived in Germany in the 1800s. And he talks about a famous young boy, a genius of a boy, a genius of a boy. Everyone knew his widespread. Everyone knew that he was, this boy was an absolute genius. And there was a famous, very wealthy, powerful count that also lived there. And he also heard about this young genius. And he said, you know what, I want to meet him. He sent a horse and wagon with two of his officers and bring me this boy. I need to see him. Two conditions. Condition number one, don't tell him what I want from him. And condition number two, don't tell him where I am in the palace. He's going to have to find me. Okay. So they go. This poor young Jewish boy told that the count wants to see you. You have no choice. The count wants you. You go. So we've gone into the horse and cart. Makes the journey over to the palace. He gets to the palace. He doesn't know why he's there. And even more so, he doesn't even know how to find the count. He looks outside the building. Huge building, windows, doors, entrances, all over the place. Where do I start? He makes a calculation. He's a clever boy. He goes in one of the entrances. Goes up the stairs two floors. Turns right. Makes a left. Knocks on the door. The count opens the door. Says, how did you know? How did you know I was here? How did you find me? Listen to his answer. He says, I looked at all the windows. I checked all the windows outside. And every single window, the curtains were open, except for one. One had the curtains were closed. And that means that you were obviously hiding in that place. Sister Baal Shem the Rabbani Shalom is hiding. The Rabbani Shalom is hiding in a place and waiting for us to seek him. He's waiting for us to try and seek him out because he's waiting for that connection, for that relationship. And we will then get, the Gerula will then get the base Hamikdash, but we have to do our part. Tonight and tomorrow and the next 24 hours is our part. It's what we have to do to be able to try to connect, to try to concentrate, and try and build that relationship. And I'll end with this. When Rebison Jakobowicz the wife of the chief, or the late chief rabbi of London, when she was Nifta. So after the Kvura, four of her daughters returned to the house. And they came back to the house to sit Shiva, and each one reached for their particular siddha, start saying Zim Tehillim, start davening, whatever was going on. And inside their siddha, each of the four daughters had a small note. And on that note, it said, Dearest children, I miss you already. The Rabbi Shalom, yes, has sent us to Golas. Yes, destroyed the base of Mikdash. But he misses us. He's crying for us. He wants us. But he's Hashem in the next 24 hours. We're going to find him.